Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond from Plastic Surgery Stories and today I'm going to be speaking about something that's not really plastic surgery related but it kind of used to be. So I'm actually going to speak, be speaking with Tanya. Now Tanya um, is a nurse and she's worked in the aesthetics industry for over 10 years and Tanya and I have become friends over the years, we've met at conferences, you know, we've, we've kind of like built this, you know, friendship rapport. So um, we haven't spoke much during COVID because she's kind of been off the radar and I was talking to the other day and um just you know where are you what you're at what are you doing and and like she's been at the moment for the last i don't know six months so she's been targeting um um on working with um in a sorry creating a business on mental health um for the youth and she's actually even been appointed the presidential head of the global youth association um but because she was working on the business and she heard that they needed frontline workers so she start she started off working with the COVID hotline so today we're going to kind of talk about her experience with COVID and then she was asked about a role that was coming up as a frontline worker for a facility that had a high cluster and of course she had to make decisions and sacrifices and, and there was risk to her daughter so she had to remove her out of the house and, and she's still living with her parents. There's a whole lot of another side of COVID and things that we don't hear about so I wanted to share that with you today. So after that big long introduction, welcome Tanya. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> I feel like that was almost a book in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's been an eventful ride, but certainly worth it, 100%. Yeah, totally. So, so tell me, so because you've, you've gone, switched from an aesthetic clinic to starting to, um, you know, develop this business on mental health for youth, which I know you've been passionate about for so long. Yeah. And so while you're in the throes of that development, Tell us what happened. So you, you know, of course, COVID hit. So what happened? How did that change for you? Um, look, um, so first I started on working on the hotline. Um, just it was a 24-hour hotline that was available to the community um, just for, um, you know, people with concerns and, um, you know, redirecting them um, for testing and, you know, all sort of different questions regarding restrictions and borders and um so that was really good it was um they were amazing they offered us a lot of training um not only related to COVID but also regarding um infection control and triage so um I'm, I'm quite blessed that I was um able to do that role for a while um just to learn more about um, the virus itself and um, symptoms and um, just helping the public, um, reassuring them, giving them some guidance. So I did that for a while. And um, do you reckon that's kind of like, do you reckon that's kind of like upskilled you another, another level though? Like, cause it sounds oh, 100%, 100%. like. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Look, to be honest with you, um, the public went into panic um, initially and um, reassurance was greatly needed um, uh, regarding symptoms. And I think um, what made it quite difficult were, was that there were people that did have COVID-related symptoms but didn't fit the criteria for testing because the testing criteria was quite restricted initially. Um, and thankfully that has changed um, over time. So mm -hmm. people are now becoming more 
um, reassured that, you know, if they do have a sore throat or, um, you know, if they do have a cough, that they're able to get that reassurance and be tested, um, which made it quite difficult for um, us also initially because, you know, people were coming up with these symptoms, but, you know, they weren't able to get tested. And, you know, how do you, um, you know, reassure someone that they don't have the virus and they just have a flu if you're not able to, you know, if they're not able to get tested. So, you know, it's, um, I think it's great that, um, you know, tests have become more available to the public and the testing criteria has broadened. So, you know, everyone can get tested now. And, you know, I can't stress more to the public that, um, you know, if you do have any form of mild symptoms, do get tested. And, um, you know, and not only for your peace of mind, but also, you know, um, putting others at risk and your family at risk. Um, the virus is real. Um, it's definitely out there. Um, I can't stress the importance that people don't get complacent. Um, you know, just, you know, comply with um, the guidelines. Um, it's not the government trying to um, control the public, um, you know, they're doing what's best for the public and containing this virus and preventing a second wave. Um, I can't stress the importance of that. Mm. And it's really funny because, like, um, you know, not that I'm necessarily a fan of ScoMo, but he, he's. I think that the government in general has handled it compared to the other countries. Like, I think the government has handled it, you know, pretty well. And I know that all the different states are different, you know, yeah. and you're, of course, working in New South Wales, but I think considering where we could have been can, compared to where we are, it's actually remarkable, I think, that we're even back at work. Because today is the 1st of June, everyone, first day back at work. So, um, yeah, look, um, yeah, 100%. Um, they've done an awesome job. And, um, you know, it's quite difficult, again, um, you know, different states having different restrictions. Um, that can sometimes also confuse the public, but people also need to understand that, um, you know, those decisions are made based on um, confirmed cases and um, restrictions within that state. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, why is it good enough for them, but not good enough for us or, you know, whatever it is, um, there's a reason for it. And, um, you know, our government has done an amazing job. Um, you know, the support for frontline workers has been amazing. Um, you know, it, it is tough. Um, it is frustrating as a frontline worker, to be honest with you, when I hear people complain about, um, you know, um, social distancing and, um, you know, the restrictions that are in place at the moment. Frontline yeah. workers are making huge sacrifices. Um, we're also taking risks and, um you know, we only ask that the public do comply and, you know, so we can also have a chance with our families and um, get back to a normal life because we also have made huge sacrifices, not only with, you know, like social distancing and following regulations, but also, you know, not, not being able to see family and friends. Um, I haven't seen, like my daughter hasn't been living with me since Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was supposed to start on this placement prior to Mother's Day and I really wanted to spend Mother's Day with my kids because I knew that was it um, from that day and not knowing when I would see them again. Um, I do see um, my daughter from a distance. I go and see her on the weekends. It's quite difficult um, during the week because I do 12-hour um, night shifts. 
when I when I ring you, like when we speak, it's like you're either just woken up or you're just heading, you, you know, to work, and and you've had like two hours sleep because the distance it takes to get there, distance it takes to get home, and then you're there for all that time and night shift, day shift, like it's just like my God, how are yeah. you even managing to to? And you're always happy. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, Trish. Um, Look, um, making the decision initially, I must say, um, you know, I, I, I did speak to my kids about it. Um, you know, I, you know, these... Did they get upset with you? Did they get upset with you at all? Like, you know, why... Oh, yeah, doing? look, um, in, initially um, it was quite difficult um, to, you know, my family and my friends initially were like, you know, do you really want to do it? You know, why are you putting yourself at risk? It's a high cluster facility. But, um, you know, you know, the patients deserve a chance. And um, as a healthcare worker, um, you know, I've never really been scared of COVID, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I just go there, do my job and make a difference. And, um, you know, it's been going really well. Um, you know, I'm hoping to have my daughter back home in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you see the end result and um, you see that you have made a difference and, you know, um, I did explain this to my kids. Um, I needed their support more importantly because um you know, I did have to, and it was quite difficult packing my daughter's stuff and her leaving the house and having to re relocate her elsewhere. Um, I do keep in close contact with her with FaceTimes and I go and see her on weekends and, you know, I stand on the footpath and she sits on the steps at my mum's place and we have a chat and um, I take the dog so she can see her dog. But, um you know, it's definitely been worth it and I certainly don't regret it. Like, yeah. um, definitely 100%. I would do it again, yeah. definitely. It's yeah. Just, it just sounds amazing to me because I obviously don't have that that nurse gene, you know what I mean, where, where I could put um, others and their family before myself and my family, you know what I mean? It just seems, it's just so selfless. It's just so surreal. And I know that you're not the only one. There's so many like yeah. as well. Yeah, like oh, 100%. Look, if there's one thing this pandemic has taught me is um, the passion, the unity, and the sacrifices made by Australian healthcare workers. Um, you know, we are so united and mm. the support that we give each other on the front line and, you know, like, you know, times do get tough. Um, you know, those long hours, um, you know, you do get tired and, um, you know, you do have your bad days. And, mm -hmm. but just being there for each other and hearing the stories of colleagues and the sacrifices they make. And, you know, we can actually speak to each other and, you know, um, no hugging because obviously there's social distancing. But yeah. so many times you just want to, you know, give them a hug or, you know, even yeah. just give the patient a hug and just say everything's okay. And, um, you know, we've had to learn a different approach um, in delivering um, nursing care and empathy, um, you know, in the, you know, these days, especially working in a high cluster facility, mm -hmm. you know, being in our masks, you know, only being able to remove our masks when we're going outside, um, not being able to eat inside, having to go outside during the night, 
to eat because you're not allowed to remove your mask, you know, in communal areas. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, we're at a stage now that, you know, masks, you know, we don't have to wear our masks in communal areas and, um, you know, and it's been all worth it. So, um, yeah, no, it's been good. Mm-hmm. And setting up the business, you know, I literally come home, I sleep, I get up at about two, I work on the business till about four, um, 4.30 and then I leave home at 5.30 to start a night because I do have to travel a bit of a distance. Mm-hmm. So I, I start my night shift at about seven. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just sounds so crazy to me. So, so you, you did, you mentioned to me before, and I, yeah. I wanted to kind of share about this because, because unless you're kind of in that facility or unless one of your families in one of those facilities, like for, for us, some people that, that are lucky enough not to be going through that experience in particular, like, you know, yeah. you know, like the, where, where there's classes of people, um, yep. can you, you said like it's really hard for the residents to feel, you, you know, for, you know, someone's going to walk into their room with all the PPE gear on and they may suffer from, you know, all these illnesses and, you know, yeah. and whatnot. Like, can you tell us like how, how both, like, what's it like for them? How do they, um, they survive? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's difficult um, and it's it's really sad um, to see, you know, patients that are in isolation, not being able to see their families, and that's what we're there for. So um, not only are you providing nursing care to these patients, but you're basically a friend to them and, um, you know, just having a chat to them about, you know, how their day was and, you know, just listening to their stories and, you know, gaining that um, connection with them and that trust Um, because unfortunately, you know, a lot of these patients, well, you know, patients that are confirmed with the virus can't see family members. You know, they're relying on healthcare workers um, to be not only, you know, someone that's providing care to them, but also a friend. And um, it's really important that, you know, um, we as healthcare workers you know, offer that to the patients um, during these difficult times. Yeah, because it would just be like, you, you, yeah, you can't see your family. So you guys become family. Oh, 100%. 100%. And um, it's also um, just um, keeping in mind regarding, um, you know, that they are lonely. They are, um, you know, they're scared. Um, they don't know what the outcome's going to be. It's the fear of the unknown and not having that family reassurance. Um, I mean, even though, you know, they, you know, they can communicate with family via phones and stuff, but it's never the same yeah. having someone actually there. Yeah. And so just like, where do you think we're headed moving forward? Because like you're saying, you probably may get to your daughter back in two weeks. So your daughter's living with your mum, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's been with my mum since Mother's Day. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so where to from here? Like, is there, you know? Well, look, you know, um, at the moment, um, you know, in a couple of weeks, I mean, I don't know whether my placement will finish in a couple of weeks. Um, the only reason why I say she'll be at home in a couple of weeks is because, um we no longer have cases, so, um, you know, everything's looking good. But, um, you know, and then we just hope that, 
you know, the public do not get complacent and, um, you know, we avoid a second wave and, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually things over time, look, it will take a while. I'm not saying that, you know, this virus is just going to disappear, but we just need to be mindful. Yeah, that's so true. And how do you reckon, like, you know, he's saying that the public needs to just be, you know, aware and stuff like that. Like, I know that, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that sound is, but it's... Yeah, they're renovating next door. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. I might just... Um... Do you want to just stop and I'll go outside? Yeah. Oh, that's better. Sorry for that little hiccup, everyone. We just um, had to find a better little spot, so that's all better. Are you there, Tanya? Yep, yep. Yay! <laughs> Almost forgot where we were up to. <laughs> yeah, just um, like we were talking about people becoming complacent and, you know, what the, you know, like, because what this could look like if we do get a second wave. Yeah, look, um, it, it's. I think if people do, you know, um, you know, follow regulations and, um, you know, don't get complacent and just be mindful that, you know, the virus is out there and, um, you know, it's, and, you know, people just getting tested, um, you know, even if you have a mild symptom, just get tested, um, download the app. Um, I think it's so important that, um, you know, it's not about the government trying to trap people. It's basically, you know, people knowing if they do come in contact with someone with the virus and, you know, um, the health department being able to track um, people that are confirmed cases, who they come in contact with, because it's quite difficult, um, you know, for them to track, um, you know, um, you know, if you become a confirmed case, come in contact with someone and then backtrack every single person that you've come in contact with. So yeah. um, I think downloading, downloading the app is also very important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I don't know why people would be hesitant to do it because seriously, if, the, if you want it to be tracked, you'll be tracked getting tracked anyway this is just a way of keeping the community safe if someone does find out you know kind of who they've been around and it's just you know it's just an automated system to do that really yeah a hundred percent and um yeah it's it's all about being mindful and um you know I, i i see what i think i mentioned to you i went for a walk um yesterday and um the amount of people out there not complying with the regulation just blew me away mm-hmm. yeah I, I feel the same way because it was like um it was like it's pre- like it never existed <laughs> yeah uh, having said that i was one of those people that was actually at the shop my husband had to go and get a pair of a new pair of work boots and i went with him to a big shopping center and it was like seriously it was like it was christmas eve but i was like whoa there's so many people around and i was one of them so i can't really make that judgment yeah. but it was like whoa no, i can understand people you know are all happy that restrictions are being lifted and they feel like they're getting um back to a normal life but um i can't stress the importance that you know just be mindful and um we we don't want to get to where we were again and or even in a worse situation and um that's the only thing it's just basically um you know being mindful and um yeah go out um go to dinner um, go to the shops. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that stuff, but just being mindful with the social distancing and, you know, download the app. Yeah. Simple. You know, if you come next to someone that is a confirmed case, you know, there'll be an alert. Um, I mean, 
wouldn't I mean I oh really is that how it works well apparently that's what um apparently they get um there's a notification if you come in contact with someone that's a confirmed case that's that's the reason for it so um you know and to track um those cases and who people are coming in contact with Mm -hmm. so um you know I certainly you know, if I'm going to come across someone that's a confirmed case, I want to be in full PPE. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, don't get me wrong. It's not, um, as I said, um, I'm not, um, as a frontline worker, I've never really been scared of the virus itself. Um, I'm more um, mindful of those that are vulnerable and my mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Yeah, and and you had a little scare yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I did actually. Because yeah. like that's the, that's almost like the last before the you know for the last few days. That was like the last time I spoke to you when you just had been sick. Yes, yes. So I ended up at St Vincent's oh with um, with respiratory distress, um, temperatures, coughing. Um, yeah, this was before I started this placement. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ticked every box. Even my bloods were out. Um, you know, it, I was um, I was petrified in the sense of, um, you know, my ex-husband couldn't visit me, my kids couldn't visit me um, until we got these results back. So I was literally in this room just waiting. And um, it came back negative. I had acute um, bronchitis, mm-hmm. but um, it was definitely... Um, it was, yeah, it was scary. I, I didn't understand it because I had done a run, like a five kilometre run in the morning and I ended up in hospital in emergency at seven wow. o'clock at night. Yeah. So, yeah, it just happened. But apart from that, um, yeah, I was there, um, you know, for a couple of days and, um, well, actually not even a couple of days. It was just basically being tested you know, doing, you know, all the investigations and then the result came back negative and I went, I, um, after that scenario, I did put myself into quarantine for two weeks mm-hmm. um, and I didn't go near my daughter just in case, even though the result came back negative, I didn't want to take any risks. Yeah. Um, you know, even uh, another thing, actually, I just remembered that I do stress to people, even if you've got flu-like symptoms, don't go to work. Um, it's not worth the risk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, don't go out there if you've got flu-like symptoms. Go get tested. Um, go into quarantine until you get your results back. And, um, yeah, but certainly don't go to work if you've got any form of flu-like symptoms. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and the thing is, like a lot of people are still like I I think for a lot of people, life has changed permanently. Do you reckon this has changed you? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, uh, look, um, I think this has been a big awakening, mm-hmm. um, to a lot of people, um, you know, all around the world. Um, you know, appreciating the simp- simple things in life, appreciating friends, appreciating family time, um, you know, appreciating even being able to go for a walk. Um, you know, imagine, I mean, we were lucky that we were able to, you know, exercise outdoors. Um, oh, no. So many countries weren't able to do that. They were in complete lockdown. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had, you know, we were, 
fortunate enough to be able to do or, you know, to continue to, you know, be able to go for a walk and to exercise outdoors. And, um, I mean, I certainly, um, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I love to exercise and I love exercising outdoors and um, being able to do that um, was, you know, I appreciate that and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, you know, something as simple as a FaceTime, you know, um, because I haven't been able to see family or see friends um, or my children. Um, So, you know, just that FaceTime or a phone call, um, you know, it just means so much. It's priceless. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, so I think, and I think also um, it was um, this um, isolation period and restrictions was also a good time for people to reflect Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to have a good think about their lives, um, people to think about their financial situation, not just, go out there and spend, um, think about, you know, times like these where, you know, you do need those extra funds if you do become unemployed. Um, so you can manage to feed your family or pay a mortgage or pay rent. Um, we've also been lucky with the government with, um, you know, what they've helped us out with or those that have lost jobs and, you know, for businesses, um, you know, we've been quite fortunate um, with the grants that have been offered to the public. Yeah. Um, so, look, we're lucky to be in this country. Yeah. I, know. I, would, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's like, you know, we can, we can bitch and moan, but, God, we've been, we are the lucky country, especially when it comes to things like this. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, that's it. That's been um, my life for the last couple of months. <laughs> I know. Thank you God. for listening. Thank you yeah. for hearing my story. Oh, look, I've got to say, I, I, I really wanted to talk to you and get you on the podcast there because I thought, um, you know, like we all kind of, well, for me, I, you know, I live in this bubble here. I'm protected. I haven't really been out or anything like that. And, and you know, I haven't been, I haven't had to go to hospital for any reason. And, and I've always wondered what it would have been like for someone who is actually in the front line. And then when I found out you, I thought, oh my God, I need to speak to you because I would be absolutely petrified to, to you know, go somewhere like that. And then people are just doing it every day, going to work. And, yeah. like, and, and your attitude, you know what I mean? Your attitude as well as yeah. always being like, oh, I need to speak to you about this. This would be great for everyone to hear. Yeah. I think, um, look, as I said, it, it initially um, I knew that I had to make sacrifices um, and I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. But, um, you know, the patients need it and they deserve it. And, um, I mean, that's what we're trained to do. And, you know, if we can do our bit, um, you know, to help someone to a recovery or be there for them, um, you know, when they're fighting this virus, um, you know, that the, yeah. the fear, the, the fear is put aside. You don't even think about it. You just want to make a difference in someone's life. And that to me is, um, you know, is everything. If I can walk away from this, um, from, you know, this pandemic is over and know that I have really made a difference in someone's life and you know what, if I got the virus and so be it. But um, at least I was doing it, uh, well, I would have got it doing something that I love and um, making a different a difference. Um, I, I just, to me, I believe that's my purpose of being put on this planet is just to help out and make a difference. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's so good, Tanya. I've got to say thank you so much for joining us today. Like it's been such not, it's so nice to have that little bit of insight from someone who's, you know, out there doing it. So I've got well, to say thank you. thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, just be, um, as I said, I can't stress the importance to the public to just be mindful um, moving forward so we don't get back to where we were and we don't have a second wave. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, Tanya, today. And maybe you can, um, when your little youth mental health project comes about, maybe we'll get you on again. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Thanks. Trish. Thanks, Tanya. Ciao. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.